Well, good afternoon, listeners. Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg, where you'll always find information and inspiration for living well and staying safe. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and we're here Thursdays at One Mountain in Colorado on KLZ 560 AM and streaming around the world online at drpegradio.com. And today we're also live on Facebook, so to watch the show... Just follow me at Dr. Peg. And uh, I've got an international guest today, so we are streaming around the world. Uh, If you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, be sure to go to drpegradio.com for the program archives. And my guest today can also be found in my program archives because she's been on the show before talking about suicide prevention, and she's back again today to continue this important conversation, and she is Dr. Sally Spencer-Thomas, and I'll introduce her in just a moment, but first, Living Well with Dr. Pegg is brought to you by our sponsor, SSI Guardian, who set the new standard in advanced safety education training. Learn more about SSI Guardian at SSIGuardian.com. And so we're talking about suicide prevention today. And did you know that suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States across all ages? And sadly, each year, almost 45,000 Americans die by suicide. And did you know that the person most likely to save your life from suicide is someone you already know, such as a peer, family member, or coworker? And we spend so much of our day at work, uh, but do you think that you would recognize if if a coworker or a client or customer were suicidal? We spend so much time around folks at work. Um, But even if you could recognize those signs, would you know what to do to help? Well, my guest today is going to help us understand why we all need to learn what to do when someone's suicidal, especially in the workplace. And Dr. Sally Spencer Thomas is a clinical psychologist, a mental health advocate, and suicide loss survivor who speaks internationally on resilience, mental health, and suicide prevention. And she's going to challenge us to develop caring cultures at work that help people thrive. Dr. Sally Spencer Thomas, thanks so much for being with me today, being back on the program. Thank you so much for having me back, Dr. Yeah, Perry. it's a pleasure. It's we had a great conversation last time. This is an important topic. It can be a very um, sad and tragic topic when it strikes close to home, uh, but it really is important to keep on the forefront, not just during National Suicide Prevention Week and Depression Awareness Day and World you know, Depression uh, Su- Suicide Awareness Day, but every day, uh, workplace suicides, uh, that's something that's not uncommon. Yeah, I don't think most people think how effective a workplace can be to make an intervention and really help save someone's life. Um, But you think about it, the majority of people who die by suicide are of working age. Mm -hmm. So most of them are working. Yes. So I gave a few stats. Can you give us a few others that might uh, help people to realize this is something that could happen in their sphere of influence? Right. So what what you mentioned, it's the 10th leading cause of death overall. And that's for everyone, you know, throughout your Mm -hmm. lifespan. Um, but when we look at people in the working age years, it's it's the second leading cause of death for for men in particular, um, and it's a it's a demographic that um, those rates are rising. Mm-hmm. So it's something we're really paying attention to. Wow. Well, it's important to remember that every one of these statistics, because we throw out these numbers, but they're real 
people, and I think it's always so important to remind folks of that, it's someone's son, someone's daughter, someone's husband, someone's wife, and possibly your coworker. As you're saying, these are folks of working age, and so we're, even if they're not a relative of ours, we're shoulder to shoulder with them at work. Um, and we want to make sure we're not desensitizing ourselves to some of these numbers. Right, yeah, I think um, nobody ever thinks it's going to happen to them. Mm-hmm. until it happens to them. And then and then people are reeling in a reaction, uh, and that happens in families, but it mm-hmm. also happens in workplaces. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a break, uh, but when we come back, we'll talk about some of the contributing factors to suicide and the warning signs so you can intervene. So if you have a coworker that you're concerned about, you'll know what to look for and then how importantly, how important it is to uh, intervene. Uh, And if you've lost a loved one to suicide or you're one of the many people who have persevered through suicidal thoughts, we wanna hear from you today. Our phone lines are open. You can call us at 303. 477-5600. And again, so many people are persevering through suicidal thoughts, and we don't want to lose sight of that. So we want to hear from you. How are you able to keep going even when the going's tough? This is Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. We'll be back after these messages. Threats at our schools and workplace continue at an alarming rate and require an innovative approach to overall institutional safety. A 21st century safe school needs the right training, the right equipment, and the correct action plan to achieve a future-ready, safe learning environment. SSI Guardian's comprehensive, evidence-based solutions and Tier 1 Security Consulting is the only active shooter training in America with an accredited CEU. Don't trust your safety to just anyone. SSI Guardian is the only choice. Visit us at SSIGuardian.com. What if a psychologist with years of experience wrote a book revealing secrets that therapists know but usually don't share? And what if that book provided effective strategies for experiencing lasting change? That's exactly what you get with Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark's book, Do Something Different for a Change, an insider's guide to what your therapist knows but may not tell you. Celebrating 10 years in print, this self-help classic shares critical insights to help you understand and overcome the three common barriers to change, heal your emotional pain and emptiness, and strengthen your connection to your true self and others. In the easy-to-understand, down-to-earth style she's known for, Dr. Peg clearly communicates fundamental principles and strategies for change and personal transformation. Read, do something different for a change today and have a better tomorrow. Go to drpegradio.com books to purchase your copy today. Studies show that safety greatly impacts student learning and a teacher's ability to do what they do best. Be it broken furniture, a leaking roof, or more serious threat of violence, the 21st Century Safe School by School Specialty addresses school safety from the emotional, social, and physical perspective. Don't wait another moment. Call 877-878-5800 or visit SSIGuardian.com. All right, welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg, information and inspiration for living well and staying safe. And I wouldn't be living well if I didn't eat some pie every now and then. And what better time to enjoy some pie than at my annual 
Pumpkin Pie 5K fundraiser. Well, it's not my 5K, but I'm using it as a fundraiser. If you'd like to meet me in person and get some exercise and eat a big slice of pumpkin pie, you can join my team for the Pumpkin Pie 5K on Saturday morning, November 17th, 2018 at Denver City Park. And there's a 5K race, 10K race, and even an untimed fun run that's great for kids. And all participants get a T-shirt, finisher's medal, and a huge slice of pie. And Sally, the calories don't count no, if you it's a consume them after sure. <laughs> exercise. And it's a vegetable. There we go. <laughs> so when you register for this race, be sure to check the box to join a team and select my team, Living Well with Dr. Pegg, from the drop-down menu. And a portion of your registration goes to support my mission of sharing information and inspiration for living well and staying safe. And I'll draw a name from members of my team to win a free copy of my book, Do Something Different for a Change. So even if you can't do the race, why not consider gifting a registration to a friend and tell them to join my team? Register online at drpegradio.com slash pumpkin and join Living Well with Dr. Peg at the Pumpkin Pie 5K on November 17th in Denver, Colorado. And I'm speaking with clinical psychologist and suicide prevention advocate, Dr. Sally Spencer-Thomas. Dr. Sally, thanks again for being with me today. Yeah, I might sign up for that run. That sounds like oh, a Oh, I hope fun. you would. Yeah, we, really we've done it. the runner. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I'm actually a fast walker. <laughs> I don't actually run, so I've got to get uh, other folks who will run with my husband so he doesn't have to walk with me. Uh, but I'm a fast walker. Um, so... Uh, we want to talk about suicide prevention in the workplace because the vast majority of suicides occur in the U.S. are happening to working age folks, right? Yeah. And so what better place to pay attention to warning signs and be um, knowledgeable about how to intervene when someone is suicidal than in the workplace? Exactly. Yeah, I know. Um, when my brother died in 2004 and we set out to do some gap-filling work, it seemed obvious like this was mm -hmm. a hole that needed to be filled. But, um, you know, we were banging our heads against the wall mm -hmm. for so long because workplaces kept saying, oh, no, this is a personal issue. It's a health issue. It needs to be taken care mm -hmm. of on, on people's own personal time. And I said, no, you have an, an incredible opportunity yes. here to improve people's well-being. Mm -hmm. um, and now we're in a very different place. Absolutely. And so you got involved in this work because of a personal uh, loss. Your brother kill killed himself. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I always say, if, you know, it was a long time ago. Yeah. And if he had uh, someone in his workspace or mm -hmm. a colleague who mm -hmm. uh, knew what they were looking at, because he had many, many, many signs uh, that he was showing um, and were able to reach out and connect him, uh, he might still be here. Yeah. 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 And that's what survivors live with is that what ifs and the regrets and if onlys. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we know we want to um, put out a message also of, of hope as we're talking about suicide prevention. And we know that uh, for every suicide, there are hundreds of folks who have had suicidal thoughts who don't kill themselves. And so we want to invite you, if you're one of those people who's persevered and you've held on to hope, give us a call today. Uh, the number is 303-477-5600. And we'd love to talk with you on the air uh, as an encouragement to others who may be going through a difficult time. Uh, so, Dr. Sally, let's talk about some of those warning signs and um, suicide risk factors so that uh, listeners can um, have a sense of, well, what are the things that I might see or hear that I should do something about? Right. Yeah. I, you know, I think in the aftermath, people are always wondering, well, why didn't they tell me? Why didn't they reach out? And there's a lot of reasons why it's really hard to tell someone mm -hmm. that you're struggling with suicidal thoughts. So the signs are often more subtle. 
And um, because we know, as you said, that there are hundreds of people who are thinking about suicide um, who don't end up dying, it's mm. actually a fairly common way that people cope with overwhelming mm. stress. You know, if I just wasn't here, I wouldn't have to deal with all mm. of these problems. So um, just know that when people are going through difficult transitions in their life or when they're experiencing depression, um, that this is possibly on the menu. So that's mm -hmm. one tip that I just want to share with your listeners is that um, it's okay to assume that it's there uh, because when you reach out with compassion and you have some ideas of resources, um, that can be the intervention that saves their life. Right. So let's talk about, uh, kind of to pause here for a moment because many people have the belief that if I bring it up, mm -hmm. if I ask, I'm going to put that thought in their head. So talk about that. Yeah. And it's understandable why people might have that confusion because we have this thing called copycat or contagion. Mm -hmm. um, and that really happens when it's a public communication. So something in the media um, where it's really unsafe messaging. They're, they're talking about the means, they're glamorizing. And Even posting pictures. Yes, done exactly. That in the past. exactly. Mm -hmm. They're spending too much time talking about the death scene. Mm -hmm. That's a very different form of communication than, hey, I really noticed you're going through a tough time and I care about you, mm -hmm. right? And I'm wondering if this is true for you. Mm -hmm. that, that kind of conversation, that kind of communication actually has been shown to decrease suicidal intensity yes. because people feel noticed, they feel that they matter, and they feel connected. Mm -hmm. um, so, going so that would yeah. be one-on-one -on -one privately exactly. and, and as you as you demonstrated with compassion and concern, Absolutely. not um, sensationalizing and being nosy and gossiping, but I care about you and this is what I'm wondering. Right, or voyeuristic. Mm -hmm. I think that's another type of a potentially private conversation that could go wrong, mm -hmm. like, oh, how are you going to do it? You know, that's mm -hmm. not the point of the conversation from a voyeuristic standpoint, mm -hmm. from a means reduction standpoint. You know, if you have a fire arm in the home and you're highly suicidal, well, mm -hmm. it's, it's time to maybe get that out of the home or put it more securely so mm -hmm. you can until you pass through the crisis. Right. And so somewhat that's on the menu as you described if someone's feeling down, they're feeling um, frustrated, they've had a recent disappointment and those are even things that if you're aware of, right? If someone has filed bankruptcy, they've been fired, they've had a divorce, um, they've lost custody of their child, that actually might be something that could put them at greater risk. Uh, if you're seeing some of these other warning signs, you might be more inclined to want to inquire about. Exactly. Not everybody has what we call a precipitating event. Mm -hmm. it's ne there's never one cause, really, but mm -hmm. it's all a, a perfect storm of things that yes. come to place in a point in time. Um, and the number one precipitating event for both men and women is separation mm -hmm. from a, you know, a close uh, significant other or divorce. Um, so you know, this is also a common thing that people experience. So when you know someone who's going through separation and divorce, you know, reach out, mm -hmm. take the time, reach out, check in, take them out for coffee. Um, and uh, just know that this is a, an upending life event for mm -hmm. a lot of people in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. So precipitating event, especially uh, for someone who has already demonstrated a history of depression, perhaps, or being overwhelmed and poor coping. Uh, what would be some other uh, warning signs or risk factors that we might observe in the workplace? Um, agitation is a big one. So uh, I always say that there's a there's a battle going on inside a person of a will to live and a desire to die because mm -hmm. the pain is so intense. Um, and as that battle starts to play out, um, people get agitated, which means that uh, they're having a hard time concentrating. Um, they're often not sleeping very well or at all. And they'll 
they'll actually tell you that more often than not. Right, We're right. much more likely to talk about our insomnia. <laughs> or you'll see, you yes. can see a person, um, they're um, grooming, you know, they're looking disheveled. Mm -hmm. They may have bags under their eyes and we have to be careful we don't offend someone saying, hey, sure. you look tired like you haven't been sleeping, but that could be obvious also. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, so agitation is a big one because it's really hard to um, kind of hide that. Mm -hmm. The body will tell you, um, you know, you won't be able to make eye gaze and you're, mm. you know, you'll be pacing and so forth. Uh, so that's a big one. Mm -hmm. um, another one is an increase in substance use mm -hmm. um, because it feels so uncomfortable sometimes to have this really uh, intense thought going on. Um, sometimes alcohol, other drugs, they can medicate that for a period of time. People can, you know, fall asleep. It's not good sleep, mm. but they'll use it to kind of numb out a little bit. Uh, another one related to agitation is uh, uh, kind of a change in irritability mm. or uh, aggression even. So when people uh, kind of fly off the handle um, with small stressors, uh, that's uh, that's an indication that their coping ability is is not what it used mm -hmm. to be. So these are these are some. There are right. many, but those are some that people don't always think about. Right. Sometimes and it may not be that they're suicidal, but it means something's going on. Right. That we're seeing a market change from their baseline normal functioning. This is out of character for them. This is unlike them. And we 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 see people uh, exhibiting that kind of uncharacteristic behavior all the time. Hey, you, you're not like yourself today. You know, we have that language um, that communicates that change. So would you encourage people, even if someone's not suicidal, to at, at, if they see those market changes and people be responding out of character to, to talk about that? I do, actually. Uh, again, because... Um that, that introduction to that conversation, that's the only way we actually get to know. Mm -hmm. And so I always have people weigh the pros and cons, mm -hmm. right? So you go into that conversation, you've seen enough warning signs, you know they're going through a hard time, you ask the question, and you're legitimately wrong. Mm -hmm. you, you ask the question. About suicide. And, and give us an example of what that could sound like. Yeah, so, hey, I'd noticed. Um, you don't seem quite yourself lately. You've been coming in late to work, and you're smelling like alcohol, and that's really not like you. And I also know you're separated from your partner, and, and that's a really hard thing to go through. I know sometimes when people have these really intense experiences in their life, sometimes they think about suicide. And I'm wondering if that's true for you. Mm. And just as matter-of-factly as that, mm -hmm. connecting the symptoms, connecting the changes in behavior, connecting the life events to um, this particular outcome mm -hmm. is, is, a, is, a, is a way to do that. And also to, you know, say sometimes when people go through this, this happens. Right. Um, kind of normalize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just say it's a, it's a way that people cope. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's a, it's a way to introduce the conversation. And again, so if you're wrong, mm -hmm. you know, like legitimately that, that wasn't a thought process that you had. Um, usually what would happen is, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm okay, I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. And they'll continue to talk about their problems, right. they'll continue to be interested in support. Um, when they fly off the handle from that question, mm. uh, chances are you've hit some kind of nerve. Mm. Um, so, because that isn't really what would be expected in a conversation right. about compassion Most and people might say, oh, wow, you know, no, no, not at all, but right. thanks so much right. for caring or noticing, especially if it's been done in the way that you just modeled. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So something's going on if the person flies off the handle. Even if you're wrong, you've struck a nerve there. Now, my question would be, how appropriate is it for any coworker to have that conversation with someone where they're noticing that those signs or should it be someone who already has a rapport with that person 
So if I have no connection to you at all, but I'm noticing these signs, should I talk to you or should I ask someone who actually has a rapport with you or a supervisor to talk with you? That's a really good question. Um, so we, this whole model of how to do this is predicated on CPR. Mm. So where we try to train as many people mm -hmm. as possible and some basic skills on how to notice what to do and how to link people to professional care. Mm -hmm. So that's the same kind of formula. Um, and so sometimes it is a stranger that okay. can save your life sure. in CPR. I mean, it just depends on what you're noticing. So mm -hmm. if someone you're not close to notices that you're stockpiling pills in your drawer mm -hmm. and you're going through a divorce and you made some offhanded comment of, you know, I just can't take it anymore. Mm -hmm. If that person feels confident and competent to step in and say, hey, you know, I don't know you well, but mm -hmm. this is what I saw. Mm -hmm. And I just want to let you know that I'm worried mm -hmm. and I have some ideas if this is true for you of what could be helpful. Mm -hmm. um, so there are so many different ways yeah. that this can play out that we don't uh, yeah. want to bar anybody. But obviously, if and you there's have a no real checklist there, there because it could be someone wouldn't want to confide in someone they know. Exactly. They'd rather talk to a stranger, especially at work, because you might be uh, concerned about how will this affect me down the road at work. Right. And sometimes it gets more complicated or HR or supervisors find it more complicated because they fear things like uh, ADA laws mm -hmm. and other. And um, so we do a lot of training in the workplace to say there's ways to have this conversation mm -hmm. where you don't get tripped up in that. Right. Um, but, you know, they have some performance management things that they need to take care of sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so it, it can get c confusing. Um, not that they can't navigate it, but sometimes mm -hmm. it is just the everyday yeah. you know, peer that can be most effective. Right. And for the everyday peer, would it be fair to say it's better to err on the side of saying something, asking the question, or wondering if you're thinking about suicide, is this true for you? Um, I'd rather be wrong right. having asked than have seen all these signs and decided not to say something because I don't really know them. What if I'm wrong? Oh, they'll be embarrassed. And then they actually do harm themselves. That's right. That's a personal decision that people mm -hmm. need to make. But again, putting the, it in context with the numbers, we take a snapshot of mm -hmm. any workplace. Mm -hmm. About one in 20 employees currently has suicide on the menu. Mm -hmm. Now, that varies in degrees of intensity from just a fleeting thought of feeling overwhelmed to I got a plan and I'm going to do it mm -hmm. today um, and everything in between. Um, but knowing that, you know, if you're if you see someone in distress, it's a it's a reasonable question to mm -hmm. ask. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, part of doing the program today, having you back on the show again and hopefully again in the future is really to raise awareness so that this won't seem so odd right. <laughs> for anyone in the workplace uh, to be able to say, I notice these signs, these behaviors, I'm concerned. Are you thinking about killing yourself? Are you thinking about suicide and feeling okay with making that intervention? Yeah, this is another piece that's given me a lot more hope than when we first started this is mm -hmm. that I'm now on the road all the time around the country and the world um, doing these workshops, uh, keynoting at industry conferences, specifically in, in male-dominated industries right now, but it's starting to spread. Mm -hmm. uh, and so um, there are many workplaces and professional associations that are saying, you know what, this matters. It is a health and safety mm -hmm. priority for our industry, and we can do something. Right. And when you look at um, certain professions, I imagine, probably even have ele elevated risks. Uh, men are more likely than women, certain age groups. And if you're... Um, your um, 
employees fall into those demographics or into those um, industries, it probably would be a good practice uh, to talk about this. Yeah, I'm really excited by the leadership that I've seen within mm -hmm. certain pockets. And honestly, it's a lot of it started here in Colorado. So mm -hmm. um, construction industry uh, leaders have, you know, they're very pragmatic people, very focused on safety, mm -hmm. very focused on training. So many of them have just kind of taken the reins with this. That's great. Um, and then first responders also, both mm -hmm. fire service and law enforcement are doing some really great work in this area. Good, good. Well, and let's talk about then some specifics that once the person does answer the question in the affirmative, yes, I am thinking about killing myself. Yes, I do have a plan or, or maybe we, that's one of the steps is to inquire, do you have a plan? Tell us some basic information um, to help us know what to do next when they do say, yes, I'm thinking about suicide. Yeah. And I just want to make the, the caveat that we're not training uh, everyday employees to be armchair psychologists okay. or counselors. Mm -hmm. Really, again, CPR model, right? You don't have to know heart surgery right. to, yes. to save someone's That's life. Right. So same idea. Um, so the first thing I tell people to say um, when you have any kind of vulnerable conversation is thank you. Mm. You know, start the conversation off with a, with gratitude. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing yes. this. Thank you for Open trusting up. me. Mm -hmm. Number two thing, um, I'm with you. Uh, I will, f you know, work to persevere to find some resources. I'm not going anywhere. Um, I got your back. And then, you know, the third takes some work, but to say, I have some ideas, right? So I know the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Let's call it together. Uh, here's the information for our employee assistance program. You know, uh, I, I know how to access that number. Let me help you. Um, some kind of collaborative effort where you're connecting to some vetted resources. Mm -hmm. That's great. And so talk about some of the available training programs that are out there um, that you're involved in in delivering the training uh, so that employees who are listening or managers who are listening will hear some names of programs that they can now request and, and find out more about. Yeah, I think the best fit for this is a program called Working Minds. Uh, I'm biased because I helped write it, but now it lives in the Colorado Depression Center. It's a two-hour training um, that covers the warning signs, how to have conversations, what to do in the aftermath of suicide in a workplace. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I like to do is go do train the trainer workshops. Okay. So you build capacity within that organization to deliver a training. Okay. Um, Safe Talk is another one. Uh, it's like a three-and-a-half-hour training. Uh, QPR is another. That's about an hour-and-a-half mm -hmm. training. So there's, there's several. There are a couple of those, and we'll have some links on the website. Um, I want to give out the National Suicide Suicide Prevention Lifeline as well. It's 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-8255. Uh, Dr. Sally Spencer-Thomas, thank you so much for being with me today. I appreciate you coming in. It's been a show. pleasure and I'm very grateful. Thank, thank you. you. And I'll have a link to Dr. Sally Spencer-Thomas on my website where you can also find the program archives and share this important interview with a friend. And I want to do something a little different today. We're going to close out with a great song performed by Claire D. and special guests. And it was written by Marcus McLaurin and Kiva Singletary, Youngblood. And the song is called Stand Up urging you to get up off the couch and do something. And it's right on for what we've been talking about today. Don't just be a bystander, stand up and help. And you can hear the full song at clairedee.com. And listeners, thank you so much for standing up, doing something and tuning in to Living Well with Dr. Pegg every Thursday at One Mountain on KLZ 560 AM and online at drpegradio.com. I appreciate you. And until next week, my guest was Dr. Sally Spencer-Thomas and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark reminding you to live well. Help the solution. Come on.